Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there's obviously always a lot to talk about as it relates to Georgia football in this spring practice, much the same way. Plenty of subject lines and narratives and storylines, things like that, that you can address, plot points, if you will. But ultimately, kind of always comes back to quarterback. In football, there's no position more important than quarterback. And at Georgia, the quarterback competition here right now may be even more interesting because last year started, in the start of the last couple of years, Stetson Bennett obviously led the Bulldogs, helped lead the Bulldogs to two straight national championships. So that creates a scenario at Georgia where there are big shoes to fill. But also the three guys in this competition, Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, for all their various reasons, are also really intriguing in that, in, in the case of Carson, he's been here for a while. That means that a lot of fans have been really curious about exactly what Georgia has in Carson Beck, maybe thinking at one point in time he might have even gotten a, a chance to play a little bit more than he has. But nonetheless, the fact that he's been patient, waited it out, the fact that when you see these videos pop up of him, he always looks like he has you know good zip throwing the football, kind of looks the part of being a quarterback. He's got his fans. And then you got guys like Brock Vandegrift, who, you know, former five-star, that's a very big recruiting ranking and that hype and praise coming into Georgia has also created a level of intrigue about what exactly what will offense look like here at UGA if Brock Vandergrift got a chance to lead that and the Gunner Stockton much the same way uh, a guy that a lot of us saw in a you know distinguished career record-setting quarterback in many ways uh, a guy who kind of has a combination of, of skills both you know physical running style obviously prolific passing stats uh, going back to his time at Rabin County and also a guy that just sort of seems to have some comfort there at Georgia uh, that's another guy that I think has a very interesting future ahead of him at UGA so you've got a situation where quarterback's important previous quarterback probably leaves as the most you know, decorated player in, in, in UGA program history and then three guys who for their own reasons have their own fans and their own level of optimism about what they could do if they are the next in line here at UGA so with that in mind everything that Kirby Smart says about quarterback is really interesting so for a couple of minutes here coming off a scrimmage on Saturday where Georgia kind of got together behind closed doors and did something that looked like real football let's hear a little bit about what Kirby Smart thinks about these quarterbacks here right now and what this eventually builds to is something I think if you're a UGA fan ought to be good news for you about your opportunity to see what's actually going on here but let's sort of work our way to that first here is what Kirby Smart said fresh off that scrimmage on Saturday that he saw about what he sees taking place with this quarterback competition here right now I can think of really good things each one did and I can think of really poor things each one did um, so it's not like it's like it's not like one guy sticking out. Um, you know, Carson has really good command of the offense. He understands it inside and out. He communicates it. He gets things correct. Um, he had a couple poor decisions and choices today. Uh, but he also made some plays. He made some really good throws. He's got really good presence in the pocket to move around. Brock made some plays. Um, he made some plays getting out of the pocket. Um, uh, made some good throws. He had a couple um, downfield throws. I, I think he wish he had back. Give us a chance in some 50-50 situations and keep, keep the ball in balance with that. But uh, he did a really good job uh, in two minutes. Um, and uh, then Gunner made some plays. Gunner made some plays with his feet. Uh, he's still like the administration of the offense of getting everybody lined up, getting going, getting the call in, 
uh, which is not all on him, but uh, he, he's growing and getting better. He made some, he made some nice throws. So I, I, I'm going to keep repeating myself, but we got we got three pretty good quarterbacks, and uh, they've grown each one of them, and they're all three different in their own ways. So Christy on YouTube pointing out, there's a lot of room noise there. Sometimes you just sort of have that creep in. That's from the press conference. That's not from me. Sometimes you just sort of have that around there. The those are sports writers tap 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 on those uh, keyboards and typewriters or whatever it is they're using these days so you definitely hear some of that but you also hopefully were able to make out uh what kirby smart was saying there on the quarterback situation and obviously one of the things that kind of comes up here is uh carson back and you can read more about this dognation.com i guess some of the rumors coming out of the uh the actual performance were that Carson Beck threw some interceptions and as Kirby Smart said made some bad decisions and I get that and obviously if you want to help lead Georgia to a third straight national championship as a quarterback uh, you've got to avoid those mistakes and that is certainly true but as you know simply avoiding mistakes is not enough because there's a way to avoid mistakes there's a way to play mistake-free football that also doesn't give your team much of a chance to win so in terms of Carson Beck here what's being kind of reported what's kind of being whispered as oh you know late in the scrimmage or or whatever the 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 verbiage is here uh you know late in the scrimmage you threw some interceptions smart said made some bad decisions whatever else let's not make too much of that i would say because the other thing you hear from kirby is he also made some plays and ultimately quarterback becomes this situation where it's not just about avoiding mistakes it's also about having enough of that gunslinger mentality that you're willing to make the big throw that you're willing to put the football into a tight window there's a certain level of bravery that you expect a quarterback to have here and it sounds like in this case you know Beck may have you know done some things he shouldn't have done while also doing plenty of the kind of playmaking things you need a quarterback to be able to do so the one thing we're not going to do here is make too much over the fact that I guess there were some interceptions from back on Saturday as being reported from people who were there being you know whispered about from people who were there uh, we're not gonna make too big of a deal about that because obviously you know the thing that you want is your quarterback to make plays and it sounds like Beck was doing some of that but of course if you're going to really wrestle away this competition and become the starter he's obviously going to have to limit that eventually we know that but you're also going to judge him on what he does do not on what he uh, I guess doesn't do you know that that's going to be a big part of that but then Kirby went in uh, to talk more about the quarterback situation uh, specifically about how maybe his evaluation of all this has changed or if there's something that he kind of thinks about this situation now that he didn't think when all this started uh, Kirby would talk a little bit more about the evolution of this competition as spring practice kind of rolled on here is Kirby Smart plus the keyboards one more time I don't think the dynamics have changed um, I mean they're uh, Brock and, and, and Carson are both getting reps with the ones. Uh, Gunner got some reps with the twos, predominantly threes, but our threes are in a better state. You know, there's times when you've had your threes, they couldn't function. Um, this this three group has, you know, really good skill players in it. We're not used to having this many wide receivers uh, on our threes, so we have some good guys to throw to. The offensive line with the threes has some, some experience, has a couple walk-ons. So it's like it functions so you can evaluate Gunner better um, where there's not always a chance to do that with the threes. But I don't. I can't sit and say that the dynamic has changed in any way, shape, or form. I think we'll evaluate this scrimmage and come back in Monday and be able to say, okay, what did they do well or poorly with no coach on the field? It's still a tough evaluation because there's probably ten plays out there in the scrimmage where I have to say a guy got sacked. Well, did he get sacked or did he not get sacked? Because we didn't tackle him. So you, know, you give the benefit of the doubt to the defensive player that's standing there unblocked, but they actually have to get them on the ground. 
And until you tackle a guy live, I mean, that's what we're not going to do. It's not going to give you a true evaluation. One of those sports writers is an angry type. Did y'all hear that? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> what did that keyboard do to you? I don't know if that's Mike Griffith or whoever that is, but somebody's an angry typer uh, in, in that situation. But uh, as far as what Kirby Smart had to say, if you'll remember, there was a time a couple of weeks ago where I asked the question, and you may remember this, I asked, you know, at any point in this spring, will Kirby Smart say something definitive about quarterback? Because obviously you're, I think for those of you who kind of follow this stuff kind of closely, your intuition is to assume that Kirby Smart's going to play it like right down the middle and he's going to just, you know, give as little as possible in this quarterback discussion. You would assume that Kirby Smart wants everybody to sort of feel like they're in it, doesn't want to reveal any details at all, that he's going to be as generic as he possibly can be. And what I said was, and that may be how Kirby Smart does this, but a couple of weeks ago I also said, there's a chance, though, that he does. There's a chance, though, that he does choose to reveal something because we have seen coaches from time to time. They do sometimes willingly reveal some sort of information about the quarterback, you know, their various quarterback competitions. Well, in this particular case, I think we can now say that Kirby Smart has revealed something specific, reiterating in that particular clip you just heard something he also said to start spring practice. There is right now separation between Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck kind of in one category and Gunnar Stockton kind of in a separate category. Now, that's not to say that Gunnar Stockton may not one day be, you know, greatest quarterback in Georgia history. That obviously still is a possibility for him. I'm saying that his future is still very bright. But as of right now, you are led to believe that Gunnar Stockton is in a category underneath Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck. And while Georgia believes it has three really good quarterbacks, right now the competition to be the starter would seem to be between Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck. So that is a specific piece of information that I believe that Kirby Smart has given you, and he's now reiterated that a couple of times here, so I think you got to take that seriously. And, and for me, I would say one of the most interesting things that I have kind of read into what's been happening for Georgia this spring is what I'll describe a little bit as the emergence of Brock Vandegrift, because I think a lot of us would have said coming into the spring, this is the guy that we maybe felt like we knew the, le- the, the, the least about. Obviously, you remember his profile as a uh, high school player, former five-star, but as we've said many times, his role last season at Georgia was just not quite as defined. Carson Beck was the number two quarterback. If Bennett had gotten hurt, Beck would have gone in. Gunnar Stockton was the scout team quarterback. Gunnar was making a name for himself battling against the great Georgia defense. Uh, in the case of Brock Vandegrift as the number three quarterback, his role just a little bit less defined. His our, our understanding of what he was as a player, you know, a little bit less, I guess, fully filled out. It had been a couple of years removed since he kind of had that five-star label coming into high school, and there was a sense in which a guy becomes a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Well, the fact that Vandegrift seemingly kind of holding his own in this competition right now with uh, Gunner, uh, I should say, with Carson Beck would lead you to believe that, hey, it's been a pretty good spring for Vandegrift. And for a lot of fans who kind of wonder, what exactly does Georgia have in Vandegrift? And, you know, how close is this guy to sort of the typical expectation you would have for a five-star coming out of high school? Well, it sounds like right now Vandegrift is kind of doing okay. And Vandegrift seemingly kind of making a little bit of a name for himself during these Georgia practices. That's not to say that I believe that Vandegrift is going to overtake uh, Carson Beck, the guy we believe to be the, the leader in this competition, the most likely starter, but but it does certainly speak to the fact that it is a real competition and the presence of Vandegrift makes that so. So I think that's kind of interesting. And here's the good news. Uh, and this is kind of what we're all this sort of building to is that we can hear, you know, second and third hand information from what so and so saw at a scrimmage and then he told so and so and then so and so texted to so and so and then so and so put it on social media. You know, we can do 
that kind of thing. And obviously, we're all interested in that. Let's not pretend we're not. But eventually, on G-Day, April 15th, whether you're tuning in to watch it on ESPN, is it ESPN2, you're tuning in to watch it on TV, or you're going to be actually be there in Sanford Stadium, the good news is, is that we'll get a chance to see this with our own eyes. And that's what's going to be fun here, is we get a chance to make an evaluation. And based on what Kirby Smart says that he's looking for from these quarterbacks, right now Vandegrift versus Beck, based on what Kirby Smart says he's looking for from these quarterbacks, we can actually make a pretty educated uh, evaluation of this ourselves. So here is Kirby Smart again on the topic of quarterbacks, what he wants to see from these guys, and we ourselves will get a chance to, to see this coming up in just a couple of weeks. So here's Kirby one more time on quarterback. Demeanor and communication. So like I can, I can get the stats, but it, it's like a true quarterback is a decision maker. In our system, because some systems take all the pressure off the quarterback and they just go really fast, we don't do that. We're a quarterback-driven offense. So can you process the information? That means get the signal. Get people lined up. Then see what the defense is in and figure out, are we in the right situation? Which of these three choices Coach Bobo's given me am I going to utilize on this play? And then the play happens, and there might be a mistake or a breakdown, and you not go full metal jacket and have catastrophe mode and put us in a bad situation. So you know, decision-making is the number one thing I want to see at the quarterback position. Can you make consecutive decisions over and over that don't cost our team games? Because we have enough playmakers and we have enough plays that you will make a play inevitably. Don't make a bonehead play. And that's what we're trying to avoid. The reference to Full Metal Jackets, obviously a very interesting thing. Hopefully none of these quarterbacks start talking to the football and end up getting section aided. Hopefully none of that ends up happening with any of these guys. But the point here is this, is that Kirby Smart says, hey, I'm looking for demeanor, I'm looking for decision-making. Now, let me tell you what I like about this type of thing is that at its essence, football, I believe, is a very complicated sport. you got 22 guys on the field. you got a 1,000 different things that kind of go into whether or not a play is successful or whether or not a defense can prevent a play from being successful. You've got, uh, you've got so many things going on, and, and football, if you allow it to, can be really, really complicated. But anytime that football can be simplified, I just think it makes the conversation more enjoyable. And what Kirby Smart does right there is he kind of simplifies the conversation happening around quarterback. Hey, what kind of decisions is this guy making? What kind of demeanor... Uh, does this guy have? And I would sort of whittle that down to a phrase I actually used a couple of uh, moments ago, which is, does my quarterback look the part? Does he walk out there and does he have the kind of swagger you expect a quarterback to have? Does he stand there in the huddle when Georgia chooses to huddle? And does he have command over the other 10 guys in the field? And then does the offense have a rhythm and a hum to it? And we can all see this on G-Day when Vandergriff's out there. Is the offense moving? Are plays being made? Is Georgia scoring touchdowns? Carson Beck, kind of the same type of thing. Going up against a a good Georgia defense on G-Day, hey, you know, is, is Georgia allowing the playmakers to do what they're capable of doing? Is the quarterback kind of creating a situation which Georgia is functioning well offensively and frankly you don't have to be inside that huddle or you don't have to be a former coach or former player to have an evaluation of that you can see that with your own eyes so to me that's the really good thing about G-Day coming up is that Kirby Smart sort of setting parameters on this quarterback competition that we can all fairly well judge and have our own evaluation with and it sounds like right now both Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff are having their moments and obviously it sounds like Gunnar Stockton is a really good prospect waiting the wings but for now the battle to be starters seems to be between Vandergriff and Beck and while Beck is the favorite he may not be the overwhelming 
overwhelming favor. And Brock Vandergriff may be having some moments of his own to kind of push himself into this discussion. And who knows how all this plays out. Maybe it plays out as expected with Beck winning. Maybe eventually it becomes a Vandergriff surprise. But either way, with our own eyes on April 15th, we all get a chance to see exactly what's going on for UGA at the quarterback spot. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us live on video. We start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, we're on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and available as a podcast wherever you find them. The Apple Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. Uh, we just we try to put the podcast out there as many different places as we can to be a part of with all of you we're certainly so happy for you for being a part of that here with us and by the way a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia making it all possible there as well you know they can equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors so on a day like this where it's kind of rainy and maybe a little bit windy you know if you've got poorly fitted windows or improper doors if you've got something that's kind of old and sort of you know past its shelf life well all of a sudden some of that wind some of that water some of that residue from outside going to creep into your house on the inside and that makes you not feel too calm anytime you walk around your home especially in the wintertime or something like that you sort of feel that draft you're going to realize oh there's a little too much outside inside right now well pillow windows and doors prevent all of that and in survey after survey year after year the, the Pella windows have been recognized. The Pella doors have been recognized as a real market leader for people who obviously love their home and want to do the best they can to kind of, you know, present their home in the best light, meaning, you know, you know good looking curb appeal, you know, feeling good on the inside. That's where Pella windows and doors have been kind of viewed to be the best for quite some time. And uh, you can kind of take advantage of this yourself and learn more about this. When you talk to one of those Pella experts, you can sit down for no pressure consultation. This is not a sales thing. This is just a education thing, kind of teaching you what the Pella product is all about and your installation options and your, in many cases, financing options. That's what you're interested in. The entire product line, you can talk to one of those Pella experts and get everything you need to know about that. Stop by and see them at their experience center there in Duluth or reach out online at PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. You could even take advantage of great savings right now as well because between now and May 22nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. Once again, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1429. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We are going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a couple of minutes. A lot to talk to with John about. We'll do some of the quarterback stuff with him. As a player himself, what is John looking at when he looks at these Georgia quarterbacks when he gets a chance to see them? We'll do some of that with John here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let us go around the doghouse. And another one of these kind of whispers and rumors that comes out of Georgia spring practice that I find to be kind of interesting right now is the seeming emergence of an incoming freshman who's already earning a little bit of buzz. It's freshman tight end Lawson Lucky. Now, you may have kind of you know heard this from your folks who know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, or you may have noticed other people kind of talking about this on social media. Specifically, what is the buzz related to? Let me read you a quote here. Mike Griffith had this at dognation.com over the weekend. From this scrimmage, Mike, his source is telling him that freshman tight end Lawson Lucky can 
continue to open eyes, scoring two touchdowns on catch-and-run plays. Lucky is also considered a physical blocker, so he does indeed have the profile of an impact player at the position. That's Mike Griffith reporting, or at least hearing from reports from those who were at that scrimmage on Saturday, once again saying good things about Loss and Lucky. This is not the only time that's happened thus far this spring. It certainly sounds like Loss and Lucky has had himself a very good spring. Now, here is the weird thing about spring practice. Let's just be honest about this for a moment. So when a guy like Lucky earns praise, the first thing that you kind of go to is, well, is this a good thing or not a good thing? Because if Lucky's doing well, does that mean, like, say the defensive players who are battling Lucky, does that mean they're not doing very well? And you'll hear Kirby Smart more on that topic coming up in just a moment. Or you may sort of think, well, if Lawson Lucky is emerging here, does that mean a guy that is a year ahead of him in kind of the, the I guess, the the seniority chart does that mean that oscar delp is faltering if a guy like lawson lucky is emerging you know what's exactly going on here well in this particular case i don't think this is like a zero-sum thing i don't think it's an either or thing in this particular case i don't think that the emergence of lawson lucky if it is indeed happening whispers say that it is I, I don't think that's coming necessarily at the expense of Oscar Dell. And the reason why I am led to believe that's not the case is because Kirby Smart on Saturday uh, did have some nice things to say about Delp and how Delp is contributing there as a tight end. Now, the backdrop to all of this is is that Darnell Washington isn't here anymore. And while Darnell didn't always touch the football as much as some Georgia fans wanted him to, uh, certainly you know, well-educated UGA fans certainly know that there was really no more important person for this Georgia offense last season than Washington because of how effective he was as a blocker and at times catching the football too. But Darnell was truly an elite blocker and that extra, in some cases, almost functioned like an extra offensive tackle, allowed Georgia just to maul people at times. And one of the reasons why Georgia was so dominant offensively the last couple of years, a lot of the credit for that goes to Washington. Well, now he isn't here anymore. So trying to figure out you know, what happens next at tight end to go along with Brock Bowers, obviously, what happens next at tight end, that's kind of a big topic. And you know, you're hearing uh, rumors that, that uh, Lawson Lucky is doing very well. But Kirby Smart said that Oscar Delp is also doing pretty well, too. This is Smart on the subject of Delp and the tight ends from Saturday. Yeah, it's not the same. We don't have that uh, you know, same mass and movement. And it doesn't just affect the run game. It affects the play-action pass game. Because where Darnell was elite was, yeah, he could block you. He could go out on the perimeter and block you. He could get vertical on a play action. But when we max protect, he was like having an extra lineman in. And, you know, Oscar's doing that. And Oscar's doing been a pleasant surprise uh, blocking this spring. He's come so far. Um, he's It's like you don't know how much Oscar got better versus who's the people he's blocking. Because he's not blocking Robert Beal and Nolan. He's blocking Gabe, Sam, uh, CJ, and even Chaz. Um, but Oscar's done a good job when he's gone against uh, Tramel and, and Michael while he was out there and uh, uh, Ty. So I like the competition at tight end, um, but we don't have the depth, especially with, with Pierce out, um, that we need. I don't get a chance to go to Georgia practice every time media has availability. I don't live in Athens. I'm you know, I'm always in this box. I'm always in the studio doing this show. I don't get a chance to do that very much. But when I did go to a Georgia practice last summer, one of the things that stood out to me was is the fact that even as a freshman back then, Delp just looked a little bit bigger than I expected him to. He kind of, you know, he has sort of a noticeable size, even amongst a lot of Georgia players who are obviously very big in their own right. Delp's size was noticeable. So Kirby Smart says that his blocking this spring has been, what do you say, a pleasant surprise. 
that's not the kind of compliment that Kirby Smart would throw around lightly. He wouldn't say that if he didn't mean it. So that leads you to believe that that Oscar Delp is also kind of holding his own right now. And as Georgia tries to figure out how it's going to replace Darnell Washington, it sounds like Delp is a big part of that. It's not just Kirby Smart who's saying that. Let's go back to uh, last week on our show. Jake Fromm, the great former Georgia quarterback, who obviously spends as much time around this Georgia program as he can, he also had some nice things to say about Oscar Delp too. And I take the words of Jake pretty seriously here. He's earned a lot of credibility with some of his recent comments on our show. This is what Jake said last week about Oscar Delp. I mean, honestly, I, I'm expecting pretty big things out of him. I mean, he's a good-looking kid. He's got a good frame, uh, good ball skills. I've seen him, uh, you know, last camp, make some plays. Um, and so, I mean, why why should we expect, honestly, any drop-off? Yeah. Um, because of the way they recruit uh, and the way they develop guys. And um, Anytime he had an opportunity uh, in late in the season uh, during the SC Championship, during the playoff games, and Natty, I mean, he, he came in, did well, blocked well. Um, so, expecting big things out of him obviously he has really big shoes to fill but uh uh, i mean this is a good group they recruit well um and i i I do think uh depending on how well he plays and how he does we can see a lot of 12 and a lot of the same schemes that we saw last year so let me kind of sum all this up this way it sounds like lost and lucky incoming freshman getting a lot of buzz right now and seemingly justifiably so based on how he's performing at practice so we've been told but that emergence of Lucky does not seem to be coming at the expense of Delp. He seems to also be getting his own share of praise here as well. The bottom line is a position for Georgia that's been laughably deep for many years now would seem to be still the same way for the upcoming season here too. Brock Bowers may be the very best player in the country. And then opposite Bowers, when Georgia wants to go to two tight end sets, you've got a guy like Delp ready to come into his own. You've got a guy like Lucky ready to... uh you know, show what his buzz is all about there as well, that Georgia, who has recruited that tight end position so well, once again, the fruits of all that labor going to be on display on the field here later on this fall. That is around the doghouse and uh, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia here today. Fun look at the tight end situation and a freshman who's kind of popping and a, a second-year player ready for his moment in the sun there as well. And we'll kind of keep this conversation going throughout the next few days. Also, before we're done, speaking of Brock Bowers, there's a handful of Georgia players already earning some buzz for the upcoming season. Uh, national award type stuff. We'll do some of that before we're done here today. But for now, on everything else happening around UGA spring practice, the quarterback competition and the stuff happening around uh, that there too. Let's do all of that and have that discussion with John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always great to be able to talk to John Stinchcomb here on a Monday, uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. John, before you're joining us, we're talking about quarterback and you know, it certainly seems like right now uh, Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift in a good competition with each other. And as a you know, a, a guy who played in the NFL, a guy who had you know great success here at UGA, you know, what are you looking for when you when you see quarterback? You know, Kirby talked about demeanor, decision making. What I take that in, you know, to, to mean is is that with your your own eyes, you should be able to look at a quarterback, and that guy kind of looks like a quarterback. So, what are you kind of looking for there in that? And on April fifteenth, in particular, when these quarterbacks are on display on G Day, what will you be looking to see then? Yeah, I think you're looking for a conductor. I think you're looking for somebody who gets everybody on the same page, and it, it looks like a symphony at work that the quarterback has everybody in the right spot and in the right place, and he makes the right decision and for a guy like Beck, who's been a part of the program for as long as he has, I think the expectations are, are high. And 
for anybody who's replacing a two-time national championship winning quarterback, the expectations are going to be high. But I think Carson's got, I think we all do at this point, think he's got the inside track and, and the expectations for him to be able to get people lined up, get them in the right situation, make the right checks, um, is is higher than what you would probably expect from somebody like Gunner. Now, for Brock, I, I think he's still um, he's that X factor for me. He's the guy who you want to see, can he challenge Carson? Is it truly a quarterback battle, or is it something where as long as Beck doesn't truly screw it up, that it's, it's his to lose. So uh, I think if Brock can go out there and, and continue to have a good spring, that there really is a, a quarterback battle that uh, hopefully is beneficial for both players, but ultimately for this Georgia offense. There have been some chatter that maybe, you know, Beck had a couple of interceptions on Saturday. Kirby Smart talked about, you know, improved decision making from him in particular. And one of the things I said before you joined us is, I want to be careful not to make too much of that because while avoiding mistakes is clearly a big part of the quarterback position, there's a way to play avoid mistakes football that makes you less dynamic than you need to be because ultimately the quarterback position in a place like George, because you are winning national, trying to win national championships, uh, you know, keep that streak of championships going. You've also got to be able to make plays there as well. And so it sounds like from Kirby's own words on Saturday that while Beck may have tried a little too hard to make something happen a couple of times, certainly he kind of made some plays there too. And, you know, to me, that willingness to throw it into a tight window, that willingness to try to make something happen, you know, there are some quarterbacks who just don't have that, you know, that, that willingness to kind of go out there and sort of put the football in harm's way if need be because you're trying to make something happen. And so it sounds like on the one hand, you know, Beck is, you know, out there trying to make plays and in some case actually making them. And so I'll take the good with the bad for, for it with him right now as he kind of gets acclimated to this potentially new role. Does that make sense? It does. And, and you know what? The, the expectations and the ceiling in the bar has been set high. And what you want from this quarterback is, is the ability to look at a tight window and not shy away from it. But also, you got to protect the football. So it may sound duplicitous or, or like double talk where you're saying, hey, I want a guy who's, who's willing to throw it into tight windows and in the same breath say, but I don't want him to make those boneheaded decisions where he's forcing forcing it and it turns into turnovers. And so trying to find that balance of, is this an opportunity that I can take advantage of or do I need to make the smart play and, and work my way through the progression and go to the check down, that's, that's part of the evaluation process. And there are times where, you know, it, not everybody in – college football is going to have three yards of separation can you put the ball exactly where it needs to be in a tight window in at the right time and if it's not there can you can you progress through your progression and you know it, it, it's a challenge and as a armchair quarterback for a lot of us you go ah oh, he shouldn't have made that throw or ah oh, i don't know why he didn't you know smoke it in there and, and find the that small window when it opened and it's a lot easier from the seats that that we currently hold but it doesn't change that that's the expectation that that these guys can make those decisions in split seconds and uh, put the ball where it needs to be there's one more thing on quarterback that i want to make sure that people don't miss here and i mentioned this a moment ago as well you know kirby smart 
you know, doesn't have an obligation to reveal anything about this, but has chosen to be at least a little bit candid from the standpoint that Gunnar Stockton, who may have a very bright future, I believe he probably does. I think that Gunnar Stockton's going to one day be the starting quarterback at Georgia at some point in time in, in, in the future. But for now, it seems like there's a little bit of separation between guys who've been here longer you know, Brock and, and Carson compared to Gunner. And I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, revelation. I don't think that speaks poorly of Stockton at all. I think it just sort of speaks, you know, well of maybe the experience in the program that Vandergriff and Beck have gotten, even if they weren't playing as much as they wanted to. And so from that standpoint, John, I do think it's interesting that Smart has at least been willing to reveal this. This isn't some even competition between between three guys. It's two guys mostly competing with the one reps and a guy like Stockton trying to show you what he's all about with some number three reps. And as Kirby Smart said, hey, those number three reps at a place like Georgia are still pretty significant. Uh, that's a pretty significant level of football being played there. But that level of candor from Smart, I think, is somewhat valuable. I don't think we should miss out on the fact that that Smart has actually revealed more than maybe he had to. You know, he's certainly not obligated to even reveal that, but he's at least revealed that much. Which is somewhat uncharacteristic, right? I mean, for a number of uh, weeks, especially two years ago, we're trying to figure out, you know, what, what's the quarterback situation for the week and when Stetson didn't have that firm grip on, on the position. And we're going, well, is you know, JT Daniels coming back and all those things. So for him to actually <laughs> be uh, more informative than required is almost out of character. So I'm appreciative of it, but you know when you're when you're evaluating these guys, it's not a condemnation of Gunnar Stockton's abilities. I think his his physical abilities and his uh, attributes as a quarterback are is, is not in question. I think that the separation comes with the familiarity with the system and being in that position to get guys lined up and understand. Uh, why decisions need to be made and, and the checks that need to be called and where you're supposed to go with the ball. Not, can he make these throws? Can he create with his feet? Can he move the pocket? All things that I'm sure Gunner can excel at, but being able to put those into place and knowing when to pull out the right tools at the right time is something that, that takes time. It's different from other positions where you know, based on your raw skill set, we can create situations for you to succeed. And I think they could do that, but a quarterback specifically, what you need is a guy that can get everyone else in the situation for them to succeed and then make sure that the ball gets where it's supposed to go. So the expectations at quarterback are a little bit higher and, and a little different than, than other position groups. And so you know, it's harder for guys that may have the attributes, physical attributes, to succeed to get out there early and be able to execute the offense at a high level. I uh, think we've talked about this before, but once again on Saturday, based on what Kirby Smart said, we had a continuation of this battle between Austin Blasky and Ernest Green to be a starter at offensive tackle for Georgia this year. And, you know, I, I guess, John, I'm somewhat agnostic about who eventually wins it between Green and Blasky, but the fact that it's as intense as it has been as a Georgia fan, I think I take that as really good news because one way or another, I think it kind of proves that the Georgia offensive line may be a little deeper than I hope you know expected that it would be. You know, I, I sort of felt like Georgia going to likely have two very good starters to tackle, and I guess I probably had Ernest Green rubber stamped as one of those starters because of the fact that he was such a highly rated recruit coming out. 
Blasky probably wasn't really on my radar, but the fact that he's made this a real fair fight competition with Green and may actually even win it, uh, I guess if it was ended today, he might be the winner. Uh, it has sort of proven that Georgia's got actually a little bit more tackle depth than I realized. So, John, ultimately, whoever wins this thing, the fact that the competition is as intense as it is, I take that to be pretty good news for Georgia. Do you agree? Yeah, it's great news for Georgia, and it's also a recognition of, of the world we live in. Now you play, Georgia is expected 15-plus games in a year, right? Yeah, so yeah. you look back and historically at the position, if you have three guys, not only is it a, a safe bet that you feel comfortable with, but it's a needed uh, preparation standpoint where all three are probably going to play. Back when uh, Jamari was, Sawyer was kind of a guard tackle, and all of a sudden he's the tackle, and then Broderick became that third tackle behind Jamari and uh, Warren, and then this past year with Amarius Mims, who got plenty of snaps. And so I think it's it's no longer just a luxury to have three tackles that are highly capable. It's almost a, a necessity when you play as many games as Georgia expects to going into a season, postseason play included, that there's not a drop-off there. And I think it's a credit to Blasky that, you know, did not come in with the herald that others did. And I truly believe that Ernest Green might have one of the highest ceilings of any of the tackles, uh, barring maybe Andrew Thomas uh, from these past few few years. So uh, the future for him is very bright, but uh, to, to Blasky's credit, he's been a guy that's come in and earned the respect and earned the opportunity to be in this conversation and highly ta- talented in his own right and um, has been performing throughout spring ball. And uh, you look at this past season when they brought in, you know, I don't want to call it mop-up duty, but you get the picture. When they came in, that second group of offensive linemen, he was one of the first to be in that sub-rotation. So it's something that's not new to the team. They're aware of, of what he's earned and the opportunities that he's given himself based on his performance and practice. All right, in the time we have left, I'm going to try to be uh, kind of brief and rapid fire with this. I want to get your thoughts on a few more of those sort of spring storylines that are out there right now. Obviously, Kendall Milton now out for the rest of spring, hamstring injury, uh, Dejan a little bit banged up with that there too. How concerned should you be, and not concerned at all is also a valid answer here, but how concerned should Georgia fans be about a little bit thinner situation at running back right now because the veteran guys are dealing with hamstring injuries? Yeah, long-term, no concern. I mean, Dejan Edwards and uh, you get uh, Milton back and – uh, with the combination of everyone else, not a concern at all. Making sure that you make yourself, you make make your way through spring without significant injuries that don't impact the season, I think is where your concern is. I think getting the Robinsons more reps and practices is could be a really good thing. It lets them uh, show what their value can be come fall. You just don't want anybody else to get hurt and. Looking at the injuries that they've sustained, it's nothing that should impact or have long impact uh, implications for the season. Even even the Mikhail Williams foot thing, you know, uh, foot injuries is one of those things that kind of sort of reminds you of some Georgia guys before we've kind of dealt with that a little bit. Uh, it sounds like in Mikhail's case, you know, once again, you know, spring practice is one of those times where you can just sort of, you know, use it as a luxury. A lot of very good Georgia players have not participated much during spring and going to have dominant seasons. Uh, you concerned about Mikhail's foot at all? No, 
I, I think that's another one where let's fix it now. If, if it's August and it's a foot injury, that's a problem. Now that it's, you know, we just started April and we're on top of it, no longer is big a concern. And then the other thing that seems to be coming out pretty consistently is the fact that Dominic Lovett, as a slot receiver, a guy that put up big numbers at Missouri, it sounds like he's the real deal, John. So I, I guess two-part here, how excited does that make you about the idea that George is adding a experienced SEC receiver that so far during the spring apparently has performed very well and the, I guess, potential evolution that could mean for Georgia where you see more three receiver sets, less two tight end sets, because obviously you got to kind of make a choice between you know your second tight end, your third receiver, sometimes when it comes to personnel on the field. What do you think about that as a topic just in general, that Georgia may have enough of a receiving situation that it wants less tight ends on the field this upcoming year? Because, you know, last couple of years, tight ends have been the deepest position group the program had. Yeah, I think the, the the best thing an offense can do is highlight <laughs> their strengths, and and that's not novel. But this past year, because of the tight end strength, you saw so many more sets with two and three tight ends, just because of the position group that was uniquely gifted. And with the two additions from the transfer portal, and it's funny you talk about wide receivers, and not all are are built and created the same, right? So Ra Ra is a, a deep threat stretches the field, creates opportunities for everybody else. And Lovett's a guy that we saw firsthand what he can do in, across the middle and, and his route running ability and quickness. So I think there are two guys that can really accentuate and help this position group kind of form an identity. And throughout spring, what we've heard from Lovett is that he's exactly what we thought he would be and, and that playmaker that um, – is is more polished because of his experience in the SEC and it's going to be a big time contributor. So there's going to it's going to be a, a quote unquote new look offense and part of that has to do with you don't have, you know, Darnell at, at tight end, but you do have other pieces that are, are highly capable and are skilled in their own right. And so finding ways to accentuate that is going to be Mike Bobo and the entire offensive staff's job and what a what a great way to do it when you have the talent level that Georgia does. Uh, John, I always appreciate this conversation. It's always so much fun each and every week to get your thoughts on Georgia football. We're getting closer to G-Day. You know, at that point in time, we'll kind of find out about all these rumors and whispers we've heard, what we actually see with our own eyes on April 15th. That's going to be so valuable. So we appreciate your time and helping us get ready for all of that. We'll look forward to getting a chance to hopefully do it with you again very soon as well. Always enjoy it, B.A. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. It is good to be able to talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia each week. I love it. Uh, John's got great insight, and also he's one of those guys that I think does a really good job of, you know, kind of staying measured about all this. You know, you know, we're probably at times around here pretty given to emotion, really, really high, or, you know, maybe really, really low, depending on whatever might be going on. John just kind of keeps it between the banks. We certainly appreciate that with him always a great discussion with the former all-american by the way speaking of great great things in store for dog nation coming up in just a couple of weeks there as well as we'll be on board independence of the seas for the second ever cruise with dog nation so many of you are part of this and i can't wait for it uh y'all i think for those of you who are on it last year also going to be on the second one coming up here in just a few weeks i think you're going to be blown away by some of the things that we're going to be doing you know 
part of the thing that makes a dog nation cruise so fun is hey you got the great you know food and entertainment and the stuff that makes a royal caribbean cruise famous independence of the seas going to nassau bahamas perfect day coke okay but this is more than just a royal caribbean cruise this is a dog nation cruise that means there's some special dog nation events that we're going to be doing that kind of take the experience to the next level and i gotta tell you some of the meetings i've been a part of and some of the special folks who are kind of helping us out with this our staff this year is a little larger than it used to be so we've got some creative folks you know Casey, somebody you sometimes hear me talk about on our team, does a lot of our you know kind of graphic things and things like that. She's uh, really kind of made this a great experience. It's going to be a wonderful time. Plus, the entire team from Royal Caribbean and Jessica Slater, everything's kind of working to make this a great cruise experience. We can't wait to have you with us for it. In fact, uh, speaking of Jessica Slater, if you want to talk to her and say, hey, I want to be on the Dog Nation cruise, I was able to do that, but give me the next best thing. Get me on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship here for spring travel, summer travel, heading towards the fall. Jessica can do that for you and give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Uh, Jessica will have you covered on all of that, uh, whether it be on Independence of the Seas, you know, Independence and Mariner of the Seas, ships like that. You can do like the three-night, four-night itinerary. The three-night sailings typically take place over a weekend. The four-night sailings, obviously, the Monday and coming back on a Friday. So that's a little bit shorter cruise for those of you who don't have as much time to devote. But if you're ready for the big seven-night sailing, you want the large Oasis class of ships like Wonder of the Seas, which I was on back in February, you can do that too. So lots of different lengths of uh, trip lots of different itineraries you can explore all of that with jessica slater a great travel agent makes a wonderful royal caribbean cruise vacation even better and jessica is certainly one of those all right let's go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean right now so walter camp has its preseason all-american list out right now and what i think is interesting about this is is that it kind of demonstrates that once again for Georgia, even though they're the overwhelming favorite win the national championship this year, their actual path to the national championship is going to be a good bit similar to what it's been the last couple of years, where we say this all the time, that great teams are made up of great players. I know that sounds overly simplistic, overly elementary, but what I mean by that is, is that the teams that are propelled to national championships have a handful of elite, you know, first-team All-SEC type, future first round pick type players playing at a very high level that that you have to have half dozen or so of those guys if you want to truly emerge at the national championship level and we've seen those guys emerge for georgia over the course of the last couple of seasons but what's interesting is those names were not necessarily household names expected to be that level of player before the season began and once again even though the georgia's kind of the favorite in the national championship you don't really see tons of you know, rubber stamped, automatically assumed to be superstars among this Georgia team here right now, that'll emerge over the course of the next 15 uh, games. Let me give you an example I'm talking about. If you look at Walter Camp, who kind of gets involved in things like this, their preseason All-American list, there is just one Georgia player on the first team offense. That's Brock Bowers. You're not surprised by that. Uh, And when you look at the second team offense, there aren't any Georgia players in that list. So for a Georgia team that is back-to-back national champions, expect to win a third straight national championship right now there is just one name from the offense who's getting all america love now if georgia only has one all america level player on its offense this season they are not winning the national championship they'll they'll, they'll fall short of that in all likelihood so what you get a chance to find out is okay well who from this group then sort of emerges at that level i think the easiest names to assume are guys like amarius mims 
The world right now doesn't know Amarius Mims. Mims only started two games for Georgia last season. Even though he was an elite recruit, the fact of the matter is people sort of forget about elite recruits a couple of years after uh, you know they, they graduate from high school. So Amarius Mims is one of those guys that people don't know now, but he's sort of probably the next in line for Georgia there at that spot. Cedric Von Prong Granger at center. This is a guy that America, including the Walter Camp preseason folks here, they probably don't think a lot about Georgia center very much. But the truth is, a lot of you know this van pran's decision to come back to georgia this season was one of the biggest pieces of off-season news that's a guy i believe who could very much play at an all-america level we just talked about dominic lovett a moment ago could love it take the next step with his career he'll certainly be playing with a better quarterback at georgia than he was at missouri he could eclipse a thousand yards all of a sudden that kind of puts him in sort of an all-american conversation that in, in other words it's okay not to have preseason All-Americans, but we know that if Georgia doesn't win the national championship, an All-American level player for Georgia, a handful of them are going to have to emerge, and I just gave you an example of some of those on offense who might do it. Let's look at the defense here for a moment. When you look at the SEC, uh, guys in this first-team defense, you've got Harold Perkins at LSU. We would agree he's a great player. You've got Cooley McKinstry at Alabama. I'm not quite so sure I agree with that one necessarily, but uh, go ahead and put them on there if you want to. Uh, when you look at the uh, second team uh, defense from the SEC, then you start getting some Georgia guys here. Mikhail Williams is on there. Jamon Dumas Johnson's on there. Malachi Stark is on there. I don't have any problem with any of those guys uh, whatsoever. But let me tell you who you don't see. And I, and I, by the way, I called this a couple of months ago. Um, I told you a month or so ago the most underrated player on the georgia roster right now we did a show about this i think it may maybe one of my vacation shows we did a show about this the most underrated player on the georgia roster right now might be a smile Mondin. people have no idea how good Mondin is Mondin, with all due respect to juan dumas johnson is every bit as good as pop is you know the, the, the guy they call pop sometimes we call him jdj smile Mondin is right there with him i don't think you can think of one without thinking of the other yet dumas johnson seems to be a little bit more known right now than smile Mondin. so if you're looking at at, hey, who's going to emerge, play at sort of an all-American level that allows Georgia to compete for a national championship? I think Monden's one of the easiest names to kind of point out there. Uh, I think it's good they recognize Mikhail Williams. I think Jamon dumas Johnson for that discussion. You say, well, who else is going to emerge here? Who else is going to step to the forefront? Maybe it's a guy like Kamari Last for the cornerback spot. I think the Georgia defensive line this season is going to probably remind you a little bit of what it was in 2021. I realize that's kind of high cotton because, you know, uh, uh, Devontae and, and Jordan became first-round picks, and uh, Trayvon Walker was the number one overall pick. But this year's defensive line, I think, also gives you a potential chance for some of those all-American-level players to merge there, too. So the point is, right now, Georgia isn't actually as well-represented on the preseason all-American list as you might expect a national champion to be. But the same thing's been true the last couple of years in the preseason, and we've seen guys step to the forefront during the season. Uh, that's apparently going to need to happen for this Georgia team again uh, this year as well uh let's transition here to the subject of recruiting here for a moment where alabama got an interesting recruiting win here with a 2025 in-state offensive lineman mason short short making his commitment to alabama i think we even have a graphic i'll show you here of uh short coming out of the evans program uh there in the augusta area of georgia making his commitment to alabama and so what this kind of leads you to believe is is that hey Alabama on the field after losing two games a year ago in the regular season at least in the present tense who knows what the future holds but in the present tense on the field Alabama seems seems to have slipped 
uh, by a peg or two. Losing a couple of games, kind of outside the playoff discussion here this year. But when it comes to recruiting, Alabama once again had a great class here for the uh, class of 2023 and also still doing some long-term future work here with, the, with a guy like Short, who I think a lot of folks really like. Alabama still is a big factor in recruiting. So for those who, and listen, we've talked about this ourselves, who sort of expect you know Nick Saban to slow down and you know maybe Saban kind of in the winter of his career, honesty compels you to admit you know the evidence of that in the recruiting not necessarily as tangible that Alabama is still getting recruiting wins including a long range win for a guy like Short so Alabama picks up a recruiting win here over the weekend and then finally uh, congratulations to LSU for winning the women's basketball national championship there was some controversy around this game which frankly I'm not that interested in about you know the uh, uh, officiating and you know well you know this and that and at the end the I guess the allegations of taunting because of some of the John Cena you can't see me stuff that had been done during the tournament I'm frankly not interested in any of that I am interested in this though um you know Kim Mulkey is the coach at LSU she's the one that leads them to a title um Mulkey also a national championship coach at Baylor and to me this is another example of LSU athletic director Scott Woodward He's had a real, uh, I guess, doctrine in place when it comes to making a coaching hire. Woodward's goal always seems to be let's spend, overspend if necessary, and let's go out and hire the biggest name available to fill our coaching ranks. That's what he did when he was athletic director at Texas A&M, hiring Jimbo Fisher. You can see that hasn't worked out very well, but he has stuck with that plan for almost every coaching hire he's made. Let's go out, spend big, overspend if needed, but we're going to bring in the biggest name possible and kind of roll the dice there with kind of a proven commodity. In the case of Brian Kelly at LSU, a football coach, it seems like that's working out okay. They obviously won the SEC West this year. In the case of Mulkey, uh, you know, famous in the circles of that sport for the success she had at Baylor, once again, it works out. LSU's the women's basketball national champion. And so this is one of those things to kind of keep in mind in the future is that you know there's different ways to go out there and make coaching hires some athletic directors like the idea of finding the diamond in the rough some athletic directors like the idea of kind of finding the up-and-coming person but in the case of woodward his plan has been hey who's the biggest name i can hire and let me spend whatever money i need to go out there and do that it's not the most efficient thing financially speaking because in the case of jimbo fisher it appears they've overspent uh texas a&m that woodward was in place with that hire uh but at lsu that doctrine has sort of worked out pretty well so something to keep in mind especially if you're an athletic department who thinks you might be making some coaching hires in the very near future and we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean as we wrap up here today we'll give you a couple of golden shoes of course over the weekend april 1st rolled around that's april fool's day so on the social medium that you prefer, you may have seen plenty of UGA-themed April Fool's jokes. We'll show you one of these here that came to me. Phil Underwood shared this. He says, ESPN reports that Georgia Stetson Bennett granted an extra year of eligibility. His one year at Jones Community College was not counted against his NCAA eligible time. So Stetson's withdrawn from the NFL draft. He's going to participate in spring practice football drills on Tuesday. I got to say, as, as uh, uh, you know, uh, april fool's type jokes go that's not a bad one from phil there uh so pretty good we'll give him a golden shoe for that and by the way speaking of golden shoes we'll also give one there as well a lot of dog fans right now enjoying these royal caribbean cruise vacations including bubba who writes into me to say that we are going to be cruising on independence of the sea second week in june any way we can know who are the other fellow dogs who might be on board might be fun to hang out and call the dogs while at sea 
So if you're going to be on Independence of the Seas on that second week in June, let me know so we can let Bubba know. Dog fans wanting to hang out on Royal Caribbean cruise ships together. That sounds like a plan to me. So Bubba will try to do right by you on that and give you a golden shoe as well for your support of Royal Caribbean and your enjoyment on Independence of the Seas coming up in June. So that's great to see there, too. And by the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, how about a Gator Hater countdown? 208 days from now, Georgia back in Jacksonville. It might be the final time. Beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators. We'll make that our Gator Hater countdown. We'll see all of you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.